Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all up to them. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Arrieta, and joining me, as always, is Cynthia. Hello. And our guest this week is Megan. Hi, guys. (laughs) (laughs) First time on the show, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, My name is Megan. I'm a sophomore at UW, and I'm double majoring in anthropology and Spanish. How did you get involved with the club? Um, my best friend Sabrina is a faithful member. <laughs> you guys are like our number one recruiters because you got <laughs> Isaac, Isaac on the pod, and then you got Sabrina on the pod. She did peer pressure me into doing this, so it's okay. Wow. <laughs> what a story. Um, so, what movie did you bring to the table today? No Country for Old Men. A classic, if there ever was one. Uh, we showed this at Film Club. Uh, last yeah, it was last the opening year. for winter quarter of last year mm-hmm. and as I'm speaking right now I'm going to pull up my slide deck because it has all my notes on it <laughs> I didn't want to like make new notes for this slide or this uh, show because I already have a slide deck for it prepared <laughs> um, so I guess we'll just start with this is probably one of the most like the probably the best co- Ethan and Joel Cohen film yes, out I there agree. I agree uh, there are so many to like, yes. so if you if you waver from that opinion, that's perfectly okay. Fine. I think um, this or Inside Lewin Davis is my too. Also, like Big Lebowski oh, yeah. is also a favorite. Um, but this film uh, came out in, uh, what is it, 2008, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or 2007 at Cannes, oh, yeah. but it won the Oscar, Oscar in 2008. Um, it premiered at Cannes based off the book by Cormac McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, same name, written and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen that we mentioned before, stars uh, Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Woody Harrelson, Kelly McDonald. Yes. Great cast. Great cast. <laughs> all kind of like very centrally concentrated. Mm-hmm. So with all that information, oh, Roger Deakin shot it. Oh, yes. We'll get into that later though, which is uh, one of the best shot films that he's done. Didn't win the, didn't win an Oscar for that, but you know. You know, 14 is... Nominations. 14 nominations, one win. Not a good ratio, but Ugh. no. When does the Academy ever get it right? <laughs> yeah, never. <laughs> um, so let's just start off with why does everyone like this film? What is the number one reason why you like Is it everything? Or what is the standout reason for it? Initial reactions, etc., etc. My initial reaction, I feel like I'm going to get like hated for this, but I didn't... When I first saw this, I was like very meh. On the film. I mm-hmm. don't know why. Maybe I was on the wrong mind space or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know. It was just like a western to me and I'm not usually a big fan of westerns so it just kind of turned me off. I was probably in the wrong mind space. When I rewatched it I was like oh my god I've been missing so much. <laughs> I just sat there. Two hours went by really quickly and I realized like what I was missing. I think what I really enjoy about this film is how it's so, it's so violent, but it's also not violent. It's like very muted. Every time I saw violence, like I was like, yes, this is like amazing. But like, it's also really muted and nuanced in the film. Like it just becomes another thing that they do, which I think it find really fascinating. I don't know. I just think that idea of vi- violence and nihilism is just really interesting within this film. For me, I was like, this is a very violent film, especially <laughs> with the opening where, uh, Oh, and he just, just yeah. chokes him. Yeah, that's nasty. I feel like that's just like they're like, okay, this is ha- this is the tone 
of violence that we get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be like a talking point later on for the themes. But for the violence, I thought it was like crazy. It's crazy, but you never feel like it's out of place. So it's not jarring. You were on a Pulp Fiction episode, but there's a Pulp Fiction episode. Do you remember the scene in the pawn shop? Mm-hmm. Where it gets like yeah. really gratuitous. I'm mm-hmm. like, that feels kind of out of place. Yeah. And a lot of Tarantino, Tarantino films kind of like yeah. go over that line mm-hmm. sometimes. <laughs> I know some people don't think that way, but I think, I think sometimes so it goes into gratuitous. I think mm-hmm. here the violence is uh, necessary for the mm-hmm. themes, so I'm not too against it. Um, Megan, what did you think of it? I really enjoy what I see as like the central battle over good and evil mm-hmm. in a way. And. I really like the character of Anton Sugar. I find him really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I've read um, All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy before, which has a lot of similar themes. It's the Border Trilogy, right? Yeah. So I was in high school. This is a totally non separate <laughs> Yeah, I read it in high school. <laughs> we read The Road in high school, and I was a big fan of that. And that was like the required reading. Oh. So then for a... Uh, we had a summer project for AP literature, and you had to pick your book, and I chose... <laughs> Uh, Blood Meridian, oh my gosh. which is not the easiest <laughs> thing to read uh, in terms of content. You know, Cormac, I feel like Cormac McCarthy has a good writing style, very lucid with what he's trying to say, mm-hmm. but it's also very violent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then All the Pretty Horses, I ended up buying but never reading because oh. I was like, well, they're scalping it. <laughs> it's Blood not Meridian. as violent. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's not, from what I remember, it's not very violent. That's good to hear. But yes, continue what you were saying about um, your take. That I yeah, rudely interrupted. Like you, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this film got eight nominations for the Academy Best Picture, Supporting Actor, Director, Adapted Screenplay, Cinematography, Editing, Sound Editing, and Sound Mixing. Uh, it won four of those. Best, Best Picture, Supporting Actor for Anton Shakir mm-hmm. for Javier Bardem's performance, uh, Director, and Adapted Screenplay. Uh, didn't win for Cinematography, should have. Should have. When I was rewatching it, sorry, I noticed this one scene where um, Tommy Lee Jones' character, he's a sheriff guy, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. He's coming into like the house where uh, Josh Brolin's character, what's his name? Blue. Blue Ellen. Yeah, Blue Ellen. His, his house after Anton Sugar has just been there drinking the glass of milk. And when Anton Sugar is in there, it has a shot of him sitting on the couch in the TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's the same one when With the sheriff yeah. is in there. Yeah. yeah, I noticed that one. Yeah, I yeah. cool. love the cinematography. I think the sound mixing was also really good. I can't recall any score. All of it's very done through... Um, or sound editing, sound mixing. I always mix those two. Sound editing is like the making of the music. Mixing is like the layering and like the volume. Oh, there's one. like no like score. But yeah, like there's no the score. sound effects for like all the... Because a lot of the scenes play out on like attention ba- basis, yeah. right? So yeah. like, there is that one scene where... Um, Lou Allen is in the hotel, and he says to the desk clerk, he's like, if anyone checks in, you're swinging a dick, yeah. tell me, call mm-hmm. me. Uh, and then he's in there, he's like, this is too easy. This whole scene is great. Like, <laughs> yeah, everything, yeah. Every scene in this scene. movie is yeah. great. Um, but then he's like, he finds the tracker, and then you just hear in the background like this muffled like thud. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, that someone checking in, and he's just going <laughs> to walk by. And it's all based off, like, you get this sound and audio... Uh, matching yeah. and you're like this is very tense right now mm-hmm. and a lot of it's played out through moments of silence yeah like when he puts um the cloth underneath the door mm-hmm. you start seeing uh like your your auditory thing starts kicking in because now you can't see anything it's like mm-hmm. you're based on sound so now you're like 
le leaning in on your seat trying to hear anything, and then it's just that loud, the air compressor just going, <laughs> yeah. just the thing going through. And that happens a lot that throughout the film. a lot. This, like, film does not even have a score. It, if it's there, it's barely, like... Well, I didn't even notice I it. didn't even notice I was started thinking, like, three-fourths of the way through, I'm like, which... I was like, is there sound in this? Is there a score in this yeah, film? And I couldn't. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't think there is. My I can't remember. My friend was pointing that out. He was like, there's like no music in this. And I was like, hmm, it doesn't need it. But yeah, I didn't, didn't even notice. I didn't even notice. But so let's just start off with the synopsis. We've been talking about this for like <laughs> 10 minutes now. Let's start with synopsis. So, Llewellyn Moss is hunting deer. Mm -hmm. And one day he shoots a deer and that deer leads him to a drug deal gone wrong. Yeah. Yes. And that drug deal leads him to $2 million mm -hmm. that he subsequently takes. Now, this is set in 1980. $2 million is a considerable amount of money, even now. <laughs> so, as one would expect, someone is coming to go look for the money. Mm -hmm. That money is pursued by not only the drug cartel, but also by um, the receivers on the American side of the border, mm -hmm. which hires uh, Anton Shagir, yeah. played by Javier Bardem. Llewellyn Moss, the hunter that we mentioned before, mm -hmm. is played by Josh Rowland. And Anton Shagir is hired as a contract killer to hunt down the money. I should turn off my notifications. <laughs> um, is hunted down, uh, is tried, hired to hunt down Llewellyn Moss. Mm -hmm. And it leads into this cat and mouse game of Llewellyn Moss on the run. Anton Seguir on the pursuit, mm -hmm. trying to find the other one. And it leads into questions of, um, like, randomness, chaos, uh, where does society exist in mm -hmm. the ultra-violence. Mm -hmm. um, we'll get into those themes later, but at the same time, you have Tommy Lee Jones' character, who is a sheriff. He's an old gun. Uh, he's, like, trapped in the ways of uh, prior, like, generations. Yeah. And he stumbles off on this case and he's like baffled about how violence and mm -hmm. how the methods of just society in general has gone today. Mm -hmm. um, and he's involved in it. Woody Harrelson is hired as from the DEA agent as a retired army colonel mm -hmm. to help pursue Anton Shagir because he has seen him before. Mm -hmm. um, which is also a very interesting thing that plays out because yeah. <laughs> Anton Shagir makes a comment later on. He's like... Um, like someone says, who says, are you, you going to kill me? Oh, it's the guy, it's, it's the oh, accountant. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. um, like, are you going to kill me? Yeah. And then Anton Shagir says, did you see me? And, and it just cuts away, which is <laughs> it's so good because one of this thing, one of the things the film does so well is how it does implied meaning rather than showing yes, it. Yes, yes. With Kelly McDonald's yeah. character. It's just the rubbing of the shoe to know that he killed her. Yeah. Because I know people who said they don't know they killed her. And I'm like, it's pretty no, clear it's because... Clear. He, like, rubbed the blood off his shoe when yeah. he walked out. The throwback with Woody... When he kills Woody Harrelson... Mm. Also, huge spoilers. So when he kills Woody Harrelson, he lifts <laughs> like up this. his shoes. Because yeah. mm -hmm. he doesn't want to get blood on him. So mm -hmm. when he yeah. kills Kelly McDonald's character, he comes out, checks his shoes for blood. Yeah. To make sure nothing's on him again. Oh, I've never noticed that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, nice subtle detail there. Mm -hmm. Um... But let's start off with the themes in this film because the title aptly says No Country, no country for Old Men. <laughs> and one of the driving themes in the film is uh, how society is changing. Mm -hmm. um, Tommy Lee Jones' character... Um, this is a neo-Western, by the yes. way. So it kind of plays on the tropes of the Western genre. Um, but like... Within... Well, it's like a 1980s yeah, setting. Yeah. So Tommy Lee Jones' character is 
an old gun, and he is like set in the ways. Um, there's a number of number of references they talk about in terms of how he's like baffled by the situation. It's like a small town. He knows everyone. When he gets to the crime scene at first, he's he recognizes like it's Lou Owen's car. He's okay. like, I know this person. Mm-hmm. But then when he gets to the the drug scene, he's like, wow, this is just. This fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Executions out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like, even the dog. Yeah, even, even the, the dog, dog was killed. Yeah. Um, and he's paired, one thing. He's paired with like the youngest person. The youngest person who's like really clueless. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. understand yeah. anything. Um, another contrast. So the whole yes. thing is like, there's, throughout the movie, there's contrast between like Lou Ellen, not, God, I keep messing his name up. <laughs> his name's Ed, right? Ed Tom Bell is, uh, he's just, he is like working in this new environment that he's yeah. not accustomed to. Yeah. He's trying. He's his whole character is like seeing um, society changing, and um, I guess his kind of coming to terms with the yeah. fact that he is no longer meant for yeah. this world anymore. Yeah. Number of allusions to that. We already mentioned the drug scene before. Mm-hmm. Um, he has the talk near the end with yeah, this old friend of his, where he's yeah. talking about like, once you see kids with bones in their yeah. mouths anymore, you know yeah. society's yeah. on the decline. Which I'm like, okay, you're a little grumpy here. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, like, a boomer generation thing. Yeah. To talk down to people. For sure. Yeah. Um, but I do wonder, I mean, is society actually getting worse, or is it just his mindset? Because I feel like people have always been the same. I don't think human character changes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it is set in the 80s, but, like, a lot of them are, like, veterans, and they probably, like, um, Luan Mollis was a veteran I, when yeah. he mentioned it, and... Um, when he was crossing the border. True. So it's so interesting just to be like, oh, they're really violent, but these people have literally been in wars where mm-hmm. they're fighting over kind of nothing. I mean, like Vietnam Wars fought... I don't want to get political, but um, <laughs> like these wars where people are just fighting because they need to gain some power over control. And although it's at like such a smaller scale within the drug cartel, like, their chase, it, like, uh, I mean, yes, uh, we are changing, but, like, his mindset is, like, changing as well, because he's just looking down on people, because he thinks he's, like, older, wiser, whatever. Yeah. You could see, like, um, I'm looking at my notes here, you could see, like, Ed as, like, the old Western hero that doesn't mm-hmm. need existing anymore. Mm-hmm. He is, like, this trope of the Western where you have this yeah. hero... And now things has just gone to shit so much that he's like, well, this world doesn't need me. It's too far mm-hmm. gone. Maybe it's, like, lost. And that kind of goes back to, like, the ending with that poem. Yeah. Great ending, by the way. Great ending. Just yes. so abstract. Mm-hmm. And you have, to, you have to, like, look it up. There's no way I, I would have gotten this on my own. Mm-hmm. So apparently, like, the horn is recording to, like, a cornucopia that yes, they use. Yeah, yeah. And he's talking about, like, the fire mm-hmm. that he carries, which is apparently a thing you would do. You'd put, like, embers and fires inside of this this horn or cornucopia, mm-hmm. so yeah. that you would carry it and light a fire somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about his father doing that, yeah. walking past him. And I think the reference is is that he's talking about the morals, the values, and the principles are carried along by this old time, this old this old guy and his father, mm-hmm. carrying along those principles and trying to maintain them. And it's like his dream that he's he's just doing the same that thing. he can try to do the same thing, but, but he then can't. he wakes up. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Mm, well, something I noticed in the beginning that I thought was interesting was when he shoots the deer and the deer is running away and then there's a blood trail mm-hmm. and then there was this black dog that whose leg was injured 
Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting because I feel like that kind of foreshadowed the fight scene between um, him and Sugar, like towards the end of the movie. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he gets shot in the leg. Sugar, right? Sugar gets shot in the leg and Llewellyn gets like shot in the back or something. Everyone yeah, everyone's hurt. Well, the black dog's leg was injured and I just mm-hmm. thought that was kind of an interesting parallel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like an interesting thing because like Llewellyn at the beginning he's set up as like this hunter mm-hmm. and then at the end he's like being hunted. Like yeah. there's, it's not, it's pretty obvious that he is being hunted and it's just a irony in yeah. like the way everything is set up in the beginning and then towards the end. Mm-hmm. And it also plays on this notion of, like, chance and fate and where's your destiny lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he always flips the coin. You talk about the coin. Yeah, there's the so coin. many great one-liners mm. where it's, like... Um, there's so many good one-liners yeah, in the convenience film. store. The inconvenience store is, like, it's like, in yeah. like a, a condensation, or not, like, a condensation, a condensing mm-hmm. condensation, not the right word, a condensing of, like, the entire notion of what he's trying to say yeah. in terms of, like, fate and morality. Mm-hmm. Or not fate, but, like, fate, destiny... And choice into mm-hmm. like one scene yeah just totally in like very cryptic ways yeah like he mentioned um like how did you have you lived here all your life and he's like yeah. no i inherited it. and he's like oh you inherited it just came off came up onto you you didn't yeah. it. it's just yeah. a chance thing that happened mm-hmm. to you um and then he talks about the coin and he's like don't throw away the coin that's your yeah. special coin yeah. <laughs> um put don't put it in your pocket um but then i think and he says Something along the lines of don't treat it anything different or something because at the end of the day it's still just a coin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like you'll get lost in the pile of other coins. Um, but it gets into this really kind of tricky notion of like, what is your choice and like what does fate have mm-hmm. anything to say with it? And that first initial coin flipping scene contrasts with Kelly McDonald's ones where she says, "You do have a choice," and he's like, yeah. "Really? Do I?" The Kel- or she's like, "The coin don't have no say." Yeah, the coin mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, Which, is she Irish? Yeah, she's yeah. like yeah. super she, she Irish. Voices, she's so the voice talented. of Merida. Oh, right. I didn't know that. And you can kind of hear it. Listen to her in like train spotting. Oh my gosh! I had no idea she wasn't. I mean, I figured the accent was fake, but I didn't know she was Irish. Like, I wouldn't have known. You can, like, kind of hear Sometimes you can hear, like, a little, little bit twins. of a break. Yeah, yeah. But she's really good at saying she's, really... she's, like, this um, Texas accent. Yeah. So Amazon, I have this video on Amazon, and one mm-hmm. of the strange facts, going off the Kelly McDonald thing, is it talks about Woody Harrelson's parent, or dad, but it has, like, the x-ray thing on Amazon yeah. where it talks yeah. about other things. Here's the first thing that pops up on the title cards. Oh, gosh. Here a while back in San Antonio, they shot and killed a federal judge. Cormac McCarthy set the story in 1980. In 1979, federal judge John Howland Wood was shot and killed in San Antonio by Texas freelance contact killer Charles Harrelson, father of Woody Harrelson. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so apparently Woody Harrelson's dad is like a freelance contract killer, <laughs> which I blows cool. my mind. <laughs> but it's also like the first fact... They That's decide so to include yeah. on, the, on the movie. That's funny, though. Totally not. Like, and then Woody Harrelson is basically a contract. He has a personal <laughs> connection. Yeah. So this is a revelatory to me because I can't see Woody Harrelson movies without saying Woody Harrelson's dad, dad killed somebody. <laughs> um, and he was raised by, like, a murderer, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. That's that. <laughs> um, oh, my God. <laughs> Let's talk about the performance of, like, Shigure, because it's so just... It's so good. It's, it's like, so you can't read him sometimes. Wouldn't he be yeah. such a good Halloween costume? Mm-hmm. Am I yeah. wrong? Like, 
he, you just can't read his, you can't read what he's saying. Yeah. And there's a thing where um, Woody Harrelson's character talks about how he doesn't have principles based on like money or mm-hmm. or lust or greed yeah. or anything like that. It's based on like just doing what doing what he wants and like <laughs> chance and like these principles. But I are... think that in some ways he doesn't think he's bad. It's like the oh, universe. No, yeah. no yeah. way. He thinks he's bad. He's he does like, not think he's he bad. He thinks he's like, like rocking and doing his thing. <laughs> Because, like, he does about that, that chance thing, the whole thing. Yeah, about it's chance. like, yeah. He's not, it's not my fault, it's the it's universe. universe. You decided. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, like, there's that shot um, at the end, same going back to Kelly McDonald, that Kelly McDonald scene. Mm-hmm. When she says, You have a choice, he's like, so, like, <laughs> he's what? Like, what? <laughs> someone is talking. I do not have a Someone is, like, putting some knowledge on me, um, which makes his death so much more um, like, or impactful because it is yeah. chance. Like, yeah. people feel like it's. Um, like a. The like, car accident at the end. Like, people feel like it's, like, a random non-sequitur death. Does he die? I, I don't... Or he doesn't die, He doesn't but die, like, but he gets, like, really injured. Okay. The yeah. trope is, like, the car crashing sequence where, like, it just yeah. comes out of and nowhere. And that does the most damage to right. him. It happens in, like, mid-90s. It happens in, more recently, the bling ring I just saw last um, night. So it's... Is that it, good? It's not her best film. <laughs> okay. I'd recommend seeing, like... But uh, those... Virgin Suicide. And those two... I haven't seen Bling Ring, so I'll just say mid-90s. And mid-90s, it feels so, like, just out of place because that movie doesn't have that theme of, like, chance or, like, it just feels like... And Whiplash uses it, too, to, like, it's a time yeah, yeah, the yeah. time pressure thing. Yeah. You know, just seem, that's, like, a, a boiling over point mm-hmm. where it's just, like, he's been rushing so much and it's kind of used... The car crash mm-hmm. is used to diffuse the situation a yeah. little because he's, like, now you know... He's not gonna make it back to the mm-hmm. uh, the recital, um, but, but like here scene, it's like it's like perfect. Yeah, it's meant because it's it's like his chance thing. Like he's in the he has a green light. Mm-hmm. He's not in the wrong. It's just chance that but a like, car ran, runs on the other yeah. side of the road and hits him, kind of like his own comeuppance. It's like he's been operating on this uh, philosophy of chance mm-hmm. and the universe of fate, and then he gets hit. By he's him. not even like that mad. He's just like. <laughs> okay whatever yeah. and walks away you know like that's like his ideal there's also something about money in this film it's money dang. buys a lot would you guys film. have taken the money for my shirt yeah <laughs> <laughs> or like my jacket sure yeah there's something about the mo- notion of money there it's is. not like it's operating in the background it's not yeah. like it's not like a primary theme yeah. there's something about it where they're just saying like i can buy anything i need maybe it's because it's going into the maybe i don't know there's so much about money being exchanged and being bought yeah. things. He goes in and buys clothing. Mm-hmm. He goes in and buys the jacket off of those uh, mm-hmm. the tourists coming back from Mexico. Anton Chigurh buys money. I don't. Maybe I'm just reading. Maybe yeah, I, I don't think know. There I is something like, with the money, but like at the end of the day, I feel like it was just more of like a plot device to move the fair enough move because it becomes so secondary. Like when they're chasing one another. I kind of forgot it was because of the money. Mm-hmm. I, I was just like, okay, this seems more of like a personal vendetta or something. This is also like my third time watching it, so I'm trying to find like just the yeah. most crazy details yeah. you could imagine. But there has to be, right? Because like... Maybe I'm just overthinking Maybe. It. I don't know. I think the money is important. I feel like it does drive the plot, but I also can understand how it might be secondary. Because mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. thinking about it all the time, but mm-hmm. everything is revolving around... Who Both has it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, um, Anton Shagir, like, he still kills the wife. Be- and the money's gone. Like, no one knows where it is. And he's still... Right? The money's gone. I feel like I've totally well, forgotten about the Well, I think the cartel the has it, right? 
because they go... Oh, yeah, because they shot up. I, I, I tried to follow this because it was another issue I was saying. Because you see him at the bus station, Llewellyn Moss, mm-hmm. who has it on his thing. He's, like, leaning over it. Mm-hmm. And then you don't ever see it again. Yeah. But you assume he has it at the hotel. Mm. You assume the, the, the cartel leaders come back or the cartel members come and take it. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Let's go back to the frame. Maybe they're carrying it off. You know that shot when he's, like, like he's, he's walking, pulling up? Yeah. Maybe... Maybe there's a shot of them carrying it on their hands. I didn't look too closely. Um, but yeah, I do agree that there's like some there's something about the money there. It's just like for me, it just became so on like they're chasing one another and like no, the sure. other themes that yeah. it just kind of it kind of flew over my head. But I w- did like I watched it. I told you guys, and I watched it with some other people who've never watched this film, and they were like, "What happened to the money?" And I was like, "Is that?" But like, that's the point. This movie's yeah. full of MacGuffins. Yeah. That's the greatest thing is because. So when you kill off a main character before, like, his arc is complete, there's obviously, it's obviously intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Not to rant on, like, the Book of Henry. Book of Henry does this, (laughs) not to good effect. But in this case, like, Luan Moss's character dies before you can see the resolution. Mm -hmm. You don't even see him killed on screen. Yeah, it has, like, that perfect, like... The Coens are just basically saying, this is, you're looking in the wrong direction, right? They're, like, Mm -hmm. rewriting the rules, um, Mm -hmm. the notions of the thing. Like, your expectations are being rewritten. Yeah. Because now he is dead and now it is no longer based on him. Yeah. His death is now a signifier of like random chance mm-hmm. and other themes. Um, so like the whole, the whole money is like a MacGuffin. Yeah. It doesn't even matter. Exactly. Yeah. So in that one scene where the Tommy Lee Jones character comes into the hotel and mm-hmm. Anton Chigurh is there, does he go out the window? Okay. We were talking about this. They, I, for some reason, because I, thought, I that, thought it was through the vent. The, well, like, I know that signifies that he was there. Yeah. But, like, he looks at the window, and doesn't it look like the latch is locked? What, which part are we talking about? When, so, Tommy Lee Jones goes back into the um, motel, and Anton Shigeru is hiding there. Or they have a singular shot. Yeah. I was either thinking it was, like, not too linear. Like, maybe they did the same thing with the, when Llewellyn and... Like, is that latch Tom, locked there? I can't tell. I oh, that would make more sense. Because than then, the then he vent goes out the window. Thing? Yeah. The window. The vent says that he was there. There. Okay. But, um, this is the one scene where I was like still trying to contemplate yeah, like, how did where he, yeah. is going through. This lat, this shot right here means like the latch is either like it, locked or unlocked, but I can't tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, that was one part where I was like, how the hell did he get away? Yeah. So I don't know, but. I thought maybe, they were doing... maybe it is locked and he's like this entity that was never there. Yeah, or that's like he was one this, thing. Yeah, I don't he know. would like Tommy Lee Jones just imagine him there, but that's not what this movie. The is first about. time I watched it, I assumed this lock was locked, and I assumed it was operating in a different time space. Yeah, me too. They, had diff- they were just editing two different times, like how they did the motel scene, or like, or they were both in different locations. Like yeah, the, how they they're did playing the motel with time scene. to some yeah. degree, but I wasn't sure. So that that totally. Not yeah. important to the themes, yeah, for but sure. I was questioning it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about for briefly, like how well this film is shot. So, oh my god, it's so good. Roger Deakins had worked with the Coen Brothers before in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and it was mm-hmm. infamously the first film to use like digital color grading. They mm-hmm. had scanned uh, the film stock, and they wanted to change the color of the film because they had shot it in the South in like the summer. Oh. Or like in the mm-hmm. spring when everything was green and mm-hmm. they did not want it to. If you've seen the film, it's like all rustic and brown yeah. and sepia. 
Roger Deakins infamously like scanned it, did digital color grading on mm-hmm. it, and that was the first use of color grading. It moved everything else forward in that way, because up until then you couldn't, you'd have to like digitally. I'm assuming, as someone not a technician, I that know. digitally yeah. scanning all this film and all this is probably a very rigorous work. Yeah. Um, there's been tinting on films. Usually, we want to try to do as much as you can in lighting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in frame. But in this case, the circumstances of production wouldn't allow it. Yeah. So we had to do it digitally. Mm-hmm. In this film, it is... Is this shot in digital? I would assume not. No. I don't think the Coens would shoot digital. Maybe they do. They did in Buster Scruggs, right? But that's real early. I don't know. People will switch over digital all the time. Okay. They, people like David Fincher is like an avid digital person. Yeah. Because he does like a hundred takes. And he <laughs> wants to see them as they happen. Yeah. And he doesn't want to wait for the dailies to come by next next day to see what he wants mm-hmm. the Coen strike me as a film people but if they you, if you too, told me they did digital I would believe you it's sometimes it's hard to tell sometimes it's not mm-hmm. um, like Roma you think it's shot on film but it's, it's, just, di- no, it's I digital can tell. I can tell that it's digital so yeah I don't know we can look it up how can yeah. you tell it's often a little shinier than film I don't know that's just like for me like that's I guess the biggest signifier for film, it's a little easier if they're doing like 16 millimeter, you can see the grains. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something that when I see it, it's like, there's I'm some sure films where it's just like 50, it. 50, like no country. I, it could have been film. It could have been digital, whatever. But there's some that just, you can tell. The only way I, the way I would describe it is there's a texture to it that you yeah. see when you watch a film, there's a texture to it. Whereas digital is very clean. Yes. That's um, why Roma for me was just like, I thought it was digital right away. It was cl- really clean. But yes, uh, this is Sean Film Buster Scruggs. Sean <laughs> Buster Scruggs. Not like Coen Brothers related. But I have not. Let's talk about this film in terms of the Coen Brother filmography because I've never, I haven't seen the whole thing. The filmography of the Coen Brothers. No, yeah, I've only seen a few select things. Okay. Here and there, you know, like you see Buster Scruggs, you see Hail Caesar, you see. Uh, True Grit. True Grit, you've seen... Fargo. I have not seen Fargo. Oh, okay. I've seen, like, The Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, like, sporadic, right? Yeah. I've been getting into this new methodology of trying to watch directors' filmography in a row. Yeah. Because I think there's something you can gain Get out and of see it, yeah. out of, like, their development. Mm-hmm. And that was inspired by this podcast called Blank Check that I mentioned Great on the show last podcast. week. Great podcast. They put um, us to shame. <laughs> and that's how I kind of now operate under I try to watch films in a like if there's a director I know I'm gonna try to do a filmography watch for I just stop altogether and I'll try to uh, watch I'll be like well I don't want to watch a serious man right now mm-hmm. because I know I'm gonna get to it when I do the Coen Brother filmography yeah. so I just put it on back burner it's was is this their first this is not their first Oscar when they got a Fargo mm-hmm. writing one right yes yeah but this, this is, is their, their first, first best director yes and I believe Best Picture. Best Picture, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like well-deserved in this year. This year, was, this is the uh, There Will Be, be Blood, blood year. <laughs> so very two very right. good uh, picks. Either mm-hmm. or you could have um, even said this is a, a, a good selection. Mm-hmm. It was also that year, it was Juno, Atonement, and um, Michael Clayton, right? That's a good, that's like a good year, but they're all pretty different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else came out that year. I would have to, like, dig. But I guess it seems fine to me. Yeah, in the year where, like, Oscars are, like, this year's Oscars are so... They're so trash. by everyone. Yeah. It's 
nice to see when they do get or pick something mm-hmm. that everyone widely regards as yeah. a good a good choice. So if they didn't pick their or not their old people, no country for old men for best picture. If and they didn't pick their old people, I'd, I think I would have more beef with the Academy than I already <laughs> do now because this movie is so good. It is so good. What else do you want to talk about? I really want to talk about the violence in this film because okay. it just stuck out to me the most because I'm not a big violent like fan. Like I don't like movie with movies with a lot of violence. I think it's really obnoxious half the time that someone does that and that's why I have a hard time like digesting Tarantino films. I think he uses violence in a way that I don't necessarily appreciate. I think in this film, even with, like in the beginning, is a little jarring. Like yeah. when he's like strangling the dude, and then you see like his arm, like his wrists, like really bloody. But right, I feel like his neck, like oh, for the other guy, yeah, the other guy's <laughs> neck ex- like explodes pretty much. Pops. Yeah, but like for me, like when I was watching it, I didn't want like I have a tendency when some things get really violent to just close my eyes and be like, no, I'm not watching this. In this film, I never felt that way and I really found that just interesting in my own mindset because again, I don't like violence. I don't like blood in a lot of my movies and like I couldn't go like stop watching it but I feel like it's so muted in a way where it just seems so normal that I was like, okay, this is normal. I don't really, there's nothing jarring about it anymore. It becomes just so there, like it's normal. And I just found that yeah. super interesting because basically they played with your expectations to see these super ultra violent acts become normal. And well, I think- Well, it is Trigger's job. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's what they're trying to portray. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to that theme of like, where, like, where has, the country gone and not like in terms of like politics Mm -hmm, but like mm -hmm. the social integrity and morality yeah where is that gone even the weapon of Shakir's choice is like a muted air gun Mm -hmm. like it's not this loud bang which also I have a problem with sometimes where just guns like being really loud it's this muted air gun so it just becomes the violence is like oh who cares about the violence like, it's just like in it's and just out. there it's in and out yeah, yeah. but then like, and then like Tommy Lee Jones character refers to that he talks about killing the cattle mm-hmm. he talks about using a gun before yeah and then he's like now they just use this air compression they that shoots that, a nail yeah. about yay long mm-hmm. into the brain yeah. and it's gone before it even notices yeah exactly kind of, I need to I need to think of words <laughs> to describe that kind of like sentiment right mm-hmm. there is something about a gun in like the old western and now the t- weapon of choice is just it's this like a fucking air gun <laughs> yeah used yeah. to kill cattle yeah there's something i don't want to say it's probably seems like less honorable to him it's just like if because yeah. now he's because he, and he doesn't even recognize what it is before yeah when he's doing the autopsy he talks about how um he's like what did someone go inside digging for the bullet or something yeah. he doesn't even recognize he's like he's so shocked by the fact that this is not a gun he's been doing it for so long and yeah. then he's just like what the fuck? Even the guy yeah. in the beginning was like, oh, he has some oxygen tank for his asthma or some bullshit like yeah. that. Like, mm-hmm. no one recognizes it as a, as a weapon. Mm-hmm. They only see it as, like, something else. And I think that's really interesting. Violence is so... Like, it's it has this contrast between, like, down moments and then mm-hmm. when it does hit, it starts getting to, like... I haven't been involved in any situation, but it feels very realistic. It's mm-hmm. not, like, a Marvel situation where the violence is just, like cartoonish mm-hmm. or anything yeah. it's very uh doesn't feel scripted yeah, yeah. very tactile mm-hmm. very kind of um visceral in mm-hmm. a sense 
And also, I, the Coen brothers don't glorify it. Like, there's sometimes where they just don't show you that they're getting killed. Like, Kelly McDonald's scene, they're not gonna... They didn't, like, show her get shot. You mm -hmm. just apply, imply that it is. And it's towards the end, so basically you're numb to the whole violence at this point, and they still refuse to... Like, they don't, like, zoom in and, like, see her get shot. Same with yeah. Woody Harrelson's character. Like, I believe we see him get shot, but, like, when he's, you like, see, like, his body... You see, like, that great yeah. scene where yeah. his, his, chair, his body gets, like, pushed yeah. up against the, the yeah. chair. But then, like, you don't see his, like, face, like, splattered. You kind of just... There's, like, that... Sh the shot that you mentioned where he lifts up his boots. It's just the blood, and you yeah. realize, oh my god, that's, like, really, like, he's done a lot of damage to Woody Harrelson, yet they don't glorify it. Yeah. Now that you mention it, it kind of makes me think of, like, the Coen brothers' intention, right? They probably were aware mm -hmm. that they opened up with a very visceral scene. Yeah. Uncut. They mm -hmm. show it. Um, they show violence in terms of, like, the air compressor, and then by the end of the film, they feel, I feel like they're not... They're not stepping into gratuitous because they, yeah. they do what you just said, mm -hmm. which is to like withhold some of the depiction of violence on mm -hmm. screen. Even Tommy, no, Josh Brolin, oh my God. Even mm -hmm. Llewellyn, he's not shown being killed. He's right. just being shown laid there in a pool of blood. Mm -hmm. And by the end, yeah, it's just like they don't want to show gratuitous shots anymore. It just like it's, it's interesting. It's like poetic in a way because yeah. then they're just like, well, you know, you've yeah. you've been exposed to this. Or you already know what it's gonna look like. Yeah, exactly. You... It's just like Tommy Lee Jones's character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is he's the only one that gets out of this thing unscathed. With yeah, um, but he seems so much like the type who's like, oh, I've seen this so much already. Like this is just like this is a new way of killing. And even though like his mindset like in the beginning was like, what the fuck are these people doing? Mm -hmm. Like. I feel like it's, he's just gained a new perspective of like, oh, so many deaths, just new ways of doing it. <laughs> There's so many scenes that you, like the one scene I keep trying to go back to is the one where he goes visits the old, uh, his old oh, partner, yeah, his old buddy yeah. who's been shot before mm -hmm. and now he's on, um, he's like retired mm -hmm. disability. Um, like cats. <laughs> there's cats. cats. There's cats in this movie. <laughs> um... There's two cats, two two cat scenes. The one yeah. with the milk, yeah. which is also great because yeah. that's another thing. They don't show the they don't show the hotel guy. Dead. Yeah, they just show the cat's, the cat's milk like, spilled yeah. over, and you know he's dead. Another great scene. Like on the third time watching, I'm trying to like decipher everything. Right, so mm -hmm. I already deciphered the ending poem, mm -hmm. the ending dream, and the one thing I keep trying to go back to is uh, when he visits his friend. He talks yeah. about in 1908 or whatever. His buddy goes to get his shotgun, and by the time he comes out, he's just shot dead on his. Set. And that's the one scene where I think it goes into like the random chance a bit, mm -hmm. but the Coens are operating on this, they're operating on a different plane of like thematic level mm -hmm. like, yeah. of thought. Like they're doing like that, uh, what is it, the cosmic brain. <laughs> <laughs> like the Coens are like, they're on, I'm on like page one and these guys are like, you're like, you're trying to read between the lines and mm -hmm. then like look between the letters. It's as, as if you're trying to decipher something. Mm -hmm. It's not always there, but you're getting like this, um, you're getting like this subconscious tone from mm -hmm. the thing and you're you're just trying to like keep up mm -hmm. these guys are so smart They're smarter so than everyone else yeah. <laughs> yeah this film is fucking brilliant yeah i'm not even gonna pretend that i'm on the same level <laughs> like understanding with them uh any final thoughts one of the coens is married to um francis mcdormand oh really yeah <laughs> that's funny who's that um three billboards oh. uh main character she's an awesome she's also in she was in blood simple She's also in Fargo. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. There's also another Ethan Cohen 
or it's not Ethan, it's Ethan Cohen. Yeah, it's one who letter made, off. Who made Holmes and Watson, and everyone's like, what the fuck? A Cohen <laughs> brother made Holmes and Watson? And everyone's like, no, that's Ethan Watson. Or not Ethan. <laughs> or Ethan, Ethan Cohen, not Ethan Cohen. Yeah. And I thought that was funny. But yeah. Yeah, this is a great film. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're, yeah. If you have not seen... Um, Blood, oh my god no country for old men you really watch should see it, it now yeah, yeah. I do can, it i condone both this is like a five star movie for me yes um i think like four four and a half this film is just out of the this world like there's so many things going on that like that work mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of movies have like they try to attempt to tackle a lot of themes and it just doesn't work i think the coen brothers do a really good job of like attacking themes that relate to one another so that when it all comes together it's like oh yeah, it that feels makes like so much more sense it feels like this cohesive force yeah. where sometimes a theme like they'll have scenes that don't build into one another but it feels mm-hmm. like i can't say this for every movie mm-hmm. right yeah there's always that one exception yeah but everything is feeding into one another and like it's driving that kind of that same idea forward right Mm-hmm. There is, like, this idea of the chance. I would say I'd break it up into two things. There's chance and, like, the fact that the country is changing and the old, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, the old Western hero can't exist in there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and the chance relates to violence, and that violence feeds yes, into yeah. the fact that um, he, the Western hero is no longer yeah. or whatever. So, um, they all just play on one another rather yeah. than just be like, They're all we're cool and we're trying to teach lessons here. They're more contributing to anything. Everything and anything. Okay. Yeah, final thoughts. <laughs> Just go watch this film if you it's haven't already. Pretty good. It's really good. Yeah. I would say four and a half out of five. Yeah. For me. Really masterful filmmaking. Yeah. It's definitely not one that I can rewatch a lot, but when I do, I enjoy it. Yeah. It's also a two hour film, and I'm not a big fan of two, anything going yeah. over two hours. This does not feel like two hours. Like when I watched it, my friend had to go to the bathroom like midway, so we stopped, and it was like an hour 30 already, and I was like, an hour 30 passed already? What? This thing fucking moves. Yeah, it, this thing it moves. moves. But yeah, great pick. Thank you for coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, thanks for having it. me, guys. We, you can find us on Facebook at UW Film Club. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Film Club UW. Uh, University of Wisconsin took our, yeah. our handle on that one. <laughs> and they don't even use it. They don't <laughs> even use it. If you look up UW Film Club, it's not even used on any of these accounts. Um... Go use our Blue Apron link or our Amazon Smile link. Transfer, or freshly, yeah. we transfer uh, uh, the Wix. Uh, me undies. Um, Mac Weldon. Um, what else? Everything. We just have everything. Yeah. Promo codes to everything. Sponsor, Sponsor us. Sponsor us. Yeah. <laughs> um, podcasts go up every Monday mm-hmm. on SoundCloud, on I iTunes. Think. It's it's amazing. I've said this thing so many times, <laughs> and yeah, I'm still struggling with it. Because I'm on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and did I say Spotify? Yes. SoundCloud. SoundCloud. <laughs> Got them all, guys. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're going to wrap this up. This is too long in the tooth. I'm stumbling over my own words. Thank you, Megan, for coming yeah, onto the show. Thank you. Uh, until next time, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>